Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, they shape cultures, and sometimes they change the world. Uh, today, we are in the risk, resilience, and security industry. Uh, this will be one of many conversations you can find on sageconversations.com. And here's, here's the pleasure of uh, introducing my friend, uh, Dave Comandant, the Vice President and Chief Security Officer of the Boeing Company. Dave and I uh, just caught up with each other. Uh, it's been a few months since we've talked to each other, and we're both displaying a little gray in our beards, and we look very professorial. Is that correct, Dave? That is correct, sir. That's right. I, I put books in back of me just to substantiate I look professorial. <laughs> <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking well, sir. So we, we, we certainly will have words of wisdom based on these beards, let me tell you. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated, Dave, over time as you've contributed to this community, both yourself and your people, is, uh, and I'll never forget one of, one of the panel discussions we had recently where you were just beautifully transparent about some of the challenges you've had in leadership over the years and how you evolved as a leader. And so I, I just want, once again, I just want to appreciate you for that transparency because we learn from all these things, right? And if we can't share transparently as a community, uh, then we're not going to evolve together uh, as a community. So thank you once again, Dave. Well, I appreciate that, Ron. And I think one of the things that, that maybe comes with a, a long tenure in any type of leadership role is the fact that as you get closer to the end of that tenure, you realize the importance of sharing some of those experiences with people who may not have the same experience uh, that you have. And so being transparent and letting people know that the road is not always smooth. Uh, most of the time it is rocky and it's really important how you deal with those bumps in the road through your career. And, and the only way to do that is to be able to share those experiences so people don't feel like they're alone on that journey. Well, I got to tell you, I'll never forget the last time I was in D.C. You know, Dave, you'll appreciate this. We, uh, we of course, had a uh, conversation uh, regarding the Executive Summit Series, and we, um, we were both made aware of some very, very concerning global issues across the globe. And then, I, uh, and then uh, we had a, about a half day before we had to go to the OSAC conference, and uh, I made the mistake of going with a, another security leader to the Holocaust Museum. So now I've got the Holocaust Museum. And then I go to OSAC where I get more of the same that we got in the Summit Series. And, uh, and there was a wine reception right afterwards. And, and um, the uh, security executive from Marathon Oil is coming at me. And I go, Brian, I'm depressed. And he looks at me, he goes, what, what's the problem? And I go, how do, you, how do you folks do it? How do you leaders do it? You live in this world every day of a pervasive systemic threat condition that uh, endangers people's lives, endangers your company brand and, and the viability of its business model every single day. How do you stay centered? How do you keep your personal resilience? How do you do it, Dave? Well, I think there's a, a couple things that are helpful. First, uh, you know, you, you did paint a, a pretty bleak picture there, and, and there are parts of the role that can be pretty bleak. The, the threats, uh, especially today, are, are dynamic and on so many fronts. 
But there's also the positive things that come along with knowing that what your team is doing is making a difference, whether it's keeping people or product or information safe. Um, that's, that's the silver lining in that dark cloud is the opportunity to have a set of services and, and have a set of people on your team that have skills that can take all of those bad and scary things and take a lot, if not most of the risk out of each one of them and allow people to come into work each day all over the world and do their job safely and securely because you've got those types of people on your team. So, so that, you know, it's a kind of a half full, half empty approach. You can take the really half empty and, oh my God, the world is ending and we've got all these horrible things happening. Or you can say, hey, we've got a set of challenges out there and they're big and they're diverse and let's go tackle them. Let's go see what we can do in each one of those spaces and, and mitigate or in some cases eliminate them. So that's really kind of what keeps me going. It, it's, it's a challenge. It's almost like, uh, you know, my days formerly in school as an athlete, every week was a challenge. Well, every day is a challenge in this role and, and you can uh, succumb to that challenge or you can rise to the challenge. And I, and I try to rise to it every day. And, and the great thing is with the people we have on our team and the support we get from our company, it makes it easy to do that each day with a positive outlook. Well, I love the sports metaphor, the idea that every challenge represents an opportunity in disguise, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the sports uh, metaphor. Um, so we just had a burp. We had a burp, a global burp called a pandemic. And uh, kind of interested in a number of things. One, possibly the approach you took from the inception all the way to date, but because you and I are so um, focused on leadership and organizational strength, as a result of this, do you see the role of the security leader and their program changing, evolving, and possibly um, becoming even more integral to the mission and vision of the company? Yeah, I think so. Um... I know within the four walls of Boeing, the um, kind of where we started and what I was asked to do initially to where we're at today and what I'm doing is very different. And I think if you were to go out and talk to any one of our colleagues out there, the vast majority of them would say the same thing. And it always starts with a crisis. And, and most companies will always come back and they'll look at the security leader uh, because we're generally the ones responsible for crisis management. And that's exactly what happened during the very early stages of COVID here at Boeing. Uh, it was localized in China at that time. And so we stood up our crisis management working group, focused primarily on China and expanding to uh, Asia as it, as it obviously grew. But over time, as the disease left the Asia uh, region and, and spread throughout the world, and as the impact to all of us became greater, uh, obviously, the impacts within the four walls of any business became greater. And so um, I think it was natural that, that company leaders looked towards the security leader and their teams to take a more expanded role. And so um, that's what's happened here. What's happened to me personally um, over these last um, five or six months is, is a much broader um, kind of one Boeing integrated response to COVID. And so it's not just the security piece of it anymore. It's making sure we're integrated with all the different parts of our businesses as we deal with uh, not only the response within our four walls, but also 
um, business outside of our company. So it really, it really has been um, an area where I think company leaders have said, the security teams have good processes, especially when it comes to crisis management. Let's leverage that and let's blow it up and see how far it can take us. And, uh, and it's been fun. Uh, not every day has been fun, but I, I've told somebody that I actually told my boss this earlier this week. <clears throat> I personally have learned so much uh, during this time, uh, things that I had no, um, no exposure to previously, whether it was within the health services field, within our supplier management organization, within our facilities and asset management team, our environmental health and safety organization, the work that we've done together to um, put processes and solutions in place for Boeing from a leadership perspective has been a huge growth opportunity for me. And, and how many times do you get that when you're in your 34th year of your career? Usually, you know, you're kind of at that point where you're, um, your experience tank is pretty filled. Well, I'll tell you what, this has set a new bar for learning for a lot of us. Um, and I'll say in, in my case, for sure, uh, these last six months, as hard as they have been, trying to work through the challenges have been um, personally and professionally very enriching from a learning perspective. So I think what I just heard is uh, back to that sports analogy, that team analogy, under adverse circumstances, it, it in a sense forced all of you, all of, all of your cross-functional peers inside the organization to learn a dimension of your, your skill sets, your competencies, and your organization's readiness that you wouldn't have had before. It was a cross-fertilization, if you will. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we've always had crises that we've had to deal with at the company. Um, but they're usually not nearly at the size and scale and duration of this one. And to your point, so it brings lots of different leaders together who may have worked briefly together in the past. There may have been touch points or, or different issues, but this has created a, a really long-standing um, set of relationships now. And one of the things that I think um, we have really benefited from during this whole time has been the speed in which we're able to make decisions now. We have become, um, in many areas, very, very agile. Decisions that we would have normally done things the old way. You email me, I email you, and it's two or three days and we get back into the discussion. And, you know, it takes two or three weeks to make a decision on something. We're making those decisions at light speed right now. We're going back to the old way of doing business and that's pick up the phone, let's get everybody on a call for 15 minutes and let's make a decision. And I, I think one of the things that, that I personally am very hopeful of is that when this is all over, that we don't uh, backslide into the old way of doing business, that we take advantage of this agility that we've built, relationships that we've built, and continue to lead our individual organizations in that fashion with a lot of speed and agility and collaboration, and at a more personal level than um, you know, sending notes all over and waiting for responses. I, I think if there's been a positive to this, it's been, that I've seen leaders work so much better together um, and make decisions so much more quickly and more collaboratively than I probably have in any point in my career. That's a really ironic, um, just a quick touch point. 
back in the mid eighties, I was with a little company called McDonald Douglas. Probably remember them. Yeah, I was part of it. <laughs> I happen to have a Boeing pension as a result of that. Uh, but McDonald Douglas, right? And I was told very early on by Mr. Mack and the team, if you will, uh, that uh, nothing happens fast around here because we have life safety as one of our key, key values, right? And we have to be careful and deliberate and conservative. And, uh, and yet we, uh, since we are all TQM guys, leaders, uh, lean guys, this idea of what, what can we do to an optimize and improve the workflows within an organization, right? Using people performing roles in a process, using technology, using tools. And it was kind of this mandate. And, it, and a lot of times, depending on who you talk to in the organization, it was a contradiction in terms. That is back to your agility. Agility isn't necessarily a word that was described that we use to describe ourselves because of the conservative nature of our business. How are those two terms now getting, getting balanced or realized because of this? Is it because of that relational component? Can you move at more of the speed of agility because you do have that relational foundation now that maybe you didn't have before? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the agility doesn't come at the expense of making sound business decisions and, and looking out for the, the safety of our people. That, that's, that's not what it is. But what it really is, it's eliminating a lot of those artificial barriers that exist in any business on any given business. Day. Um, we can hide behind um, some of all of our company's inefficiencies and, and that automatically slows down business. Well, you know, none of us are in that position or none of us have that luxury at this point. There's so many things going on each day that are changing that we have to react to that um, you need to be able to make these decisions quickly. And so part of that is trust and having trust in your colleague, having trust that he or she has the organization's best intent uh, in mind all the time. And that, um, you know, what they say is what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So if we have a phone call and you tell me or I tell you I'm going to do something uh, and you tell me you're going to get it done in the next four hours, in this environment, I don't have the luxury of coming back, nor do they, and double checking with me. We have to trust each other that, that we're going to deliver on our promise, right? And so, you know, there are all those situations where you can't, so you go back and you let people know. And I think that's the difference of the way that that I've seen our company working, and in particular uh, within our crisis management activity, is it is very direct, let's eliminate the barrier, um, let's not make excuses, let's go figure it out, and uh, let's do it though, following the processes and the requirements that we have in place. We're not out to shortcut anything and we won't do that, but, um, but we can move fast, mm -hmm. and we can do that if, if we trust each other, if we reach out to each other, and if we go execute on what we say we're gonna do. And it doesn't take very long for a group of people that might not work together every day, they get thrown together because of a set of circumstances. If you can all operate that way, and I can tell you across the board, every one of my peers um, does that wonderfully, it makes it really kind of fun, in all honesty. And, and it'll be one of those things 
I'm looking forward to the day when we can talk about other things than COVID-19 and we can get back to our normal day-to-day -day business. But, um, but I personally am going to work really hard to try to maintain these relationships that have grown and, and been developed as a result of this because, as I said early on, I have learned so much from my peers, um, not only about their business and kind of the technical side of this, but just in leadership and leadership styles and, and watching people who have, you know, very, very servant leadership types of mentalities and, and how they address issues. And, and it's, it, it really has been, a, if you can pull yourself back from the mayhem of, of day to day, and sometimes that's hard to do, and sometimes I'm not very successful at it. But there are times in meetings where I can just sit back and listen to the discourse going on and just soak it all in and know that I'm going to be a better leader because of what we're going through right now. And because of these other people that are on the phone with me, I can just, I'm, I'm learning so much and growing so much from the dialogue. So um, long answer to your short question, but, uh, but I think it's a combination of a couple things. Well, I think all of us are very mindful in this field, in this industry, mindful if we reflect on it, that everyone who's come before us, we stand on their shoulders mm -hmm. and, uh, and we ourselves will be those shoulders one day. And so it's really great that um, in your long career, you still can sit at a table and soak it in as a student. Uh, I was, I was uh, reflecting on Mike Mason, uh, the CSO of Verizon, who walked into the great conversation uh, in that 300 uh, person auditorium went all the way down the center and sat in the first row and began taking notes. And I go, that right there is a de demonstration of leadership, right? And he, he's one of those leaders, as you all know, that when he walks into the room or when he presents, um, he gets undivided attention from me because every time Mike speaks, I learn something. He is, uh, he's iconic in this industry and he, I think he's one of the best leaders that the industry has as someone who I have a tremendous amount of respect from. And there's not been a time when he's given a presentation that I haven't walked away with two or three what I would consider really important leadership nuggets from him. That's right. So. I was just going to say nuggets. So uh, if you can, and it's okay if you can't uh, for any reason, um, but th uh, again, this is unscripted, everyone. Dave and I didn't prepare for this. Uh, but in the last few months, what are one of those stories about your people or your company where you go, that was such an iconic moment for us in the middle of this crisis uh, that, that will stick with you the rest of your life? There have been a quite a few of them, but I think probably to me, the one that, that resonated the most is we get together with our company leadership team uh, several times a week. Uh, a small group of us that represent the crisis management working group. And, and we brief our executive council on what's happening across the board, give them good situational awareness. And as you all know, we've, uh, as a company, we've been challenged in the last uh, two years with getting our uh, 737 MAX returned to service. And then COVID strikes, devastating effects on the airline industry and, um, and our, our customers and all the partners along with them. And so um, getting to the point in mid-March where we saw 
the virus impacting some of our facilities, especially up here in the Northwest. And, and being part and having a, a meaningful role in making the decision that we were gonna stop production Huge. for several weeks in Seattle. It just, you know, as you sit back and you think about yourself as a security leader and, and where you have influence and you don't have influence, six months ago, there's no way I could have ever envisioned being in a situation like that and being part of a discussion and having a vote and, and a, an equal vote in what we we're gonna do. And so I think just being on the phone that day, because it's obviously all being done virtual and listening to each one of these leaders um, talk about the pros and the cons. And at the end of the day, uh, regardless of the financial impact it had on the company, it came down to what's the right thing to do for the Boeing people, the employees. And, you know, I've worked for this company for a long time and, and it always has acted that way. Leader by leader, go through at the end of the day and say, We need to shut it down. We need to make sure our people are safe. Um, it makes you feel so proud to be part of a company that, with all the challenges it's facing and knowing what the impacts could be and would be, um, to make that kind of a decision. And it, it was just uh, one of those things I always remember, uh, not only for the difficulty of the decision, but uh, from my perspective, the righteousness of the decision. It was the right move and they made it without a second thought. Well, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Boeing was born in the Pacific Northwest and Bill Boeing must be smiling on all the people who came after him with that decision. Uh, I know I was proud of you and we weren't talking back then, but when I, when I read that in the newspapers, I, I just said, wow, Dave, Un unbelievable to work for a company that would take that risk. Fantastic. Very much so. Great Very job. Much so. Um, how you talked about your internal team. And as you know, we in the great conversation believe in an ecosystem working together. How have your, have your vendors been part of this evolution over the last two months? And if so, uh, any, any responses, any ideas and reflection on uh, whether they too have contributed in a uh, important and critical way through this process? Absolutely. Um, no, we can't do what we do without the help of some of our key suppliers that, that help within the security organization and, and brought more broadly outside of our organization. And so we brought them in early to be part of the solution Excellent. Uh, in many cases, uh, as is our, our uniform security force, is going to be the first person that many of our employees or visitors are going to see. And so uh, setting the tone on what the requirements are when people come into our facilities is very important, making sure that, that those officers were safe themselves and that we were aligned as two companies on how we wanted to take care of our people. Uh, very important as we um, have put some additional capabilities inside of our, our workforce, voluntary temperature screening stations uh, in most sites here in the United States and in Canada. And we brought on a supplier to help us do that and partnering with them to make sure that we had the right skills, the right capabilities, the right demeanor at those stations, especially early on when there was a lot of anxiety for our employees, having very calming professional people to help um, help do those things each day. 
And so, um, you know, there's no way you can do this by yourself. You have to have good partners out there and you have to have some really good strategic alignment in what you're both trying to accomplish. And, and the only way you can do that is to really sit down and talk and have those conversations so that everybody agrees this is the path forward. And, and we were able to do that and we continue to do that because the, um, the requirements within our fence continue to change. Well, that, you know, it, it brings up the question that I've been teasing out over a series of conversations, but an, a, another thing that could be a persistent change in our industry, and that is a new perimeter. That is, it used to be a card that got you in. Now there's a few other steps. The perimeters expanded. And quite frankly, if sickness, and sorry about the provocation here, but if sickness is another form of weapon, uh, then yes, security's responsibility to do that in a culturally relevant way is going to be critical to your long-term success. So I just can't imagine all these hundreds and thousands of people coming into work every day with that new perimeter. Uh, how are you dealing with that? Well, the new perimeter starts in each employee's home, uh -huh. each visitor and guest home, because the new perimeter now, uh, we want employees to make sure that they do a self uh, health check before they come into our facilities, right? So they start at home and they've got to get up each day and make that determination. Are they okay? Do they physically feel well? Have they taken a temperature reading for themselves? And, and they're doing that because not only we want them to protect themselves, but we also want them to protect their own family. And we want them to protect their community. And if they do pass through our fence line, then we want them to protect their colleagues and their coworkers within the workplace. And so that's one of the things that, that we've really tried to stress is self-accountability in the company. We, we can do a whole bunch of, of technical things once you get here, and, and we've done some of those. But it really comes down to people buying into and understanding the need that I've got to be personally accountable for myself. And if I even feel a little bit off, um, the company has, has given us the flexibility to stay home and to make sure that, um, that we are well. And if we're not, then stay home and do your job from home or stay home and, and get the rest you need. So we've pushed our perimeter way past where it is right now. And that first line of defense now really is our employee when he or she wakes up each day and they take that first 10 or 15 minutes to say, how do I feel today? Am I good to come into work? If they are, great. If they even have a question, then they should stay home. So we've, we've extended our perimeter fence way, way, way further out than we normally would do. That's awesome. A uh, couple last questions. Um, uh, and, you know, some, some of the leaders I talk to are listeners. They're podcast listeners or uh, some are readers. Uh, do you have any uh, readings you've done lately or have done in the past you would recommend to your peers uh, that – we should be looking into? You know, what I've spent a lot of time, well, I've done a lot of reading. Um, I, I'm a voracious news reader just to try to stay up on everything. We ourselves produce a lot of information internally about what's going on with the virus. Uh, but I've participated in a number of webcasts, uh, things like what we're doing today. And I think, uh, honestly, that's where I get the most benefit from because it's, it's my peer and he or she is living the same dream that I am right now. And so um, hearing what they're doing, their individual companies, hearing ideas that they've tried, some have worked, some haven't worked, 
um, is so helpful to me. So really taking advantage of uh, these communities, these ecosystems that, that you've talked about, that's, to me, that's where I get the most value. The rest of the information that you can pick up, um, it's all important, but the, you know, the execution and the, um, the practice of that information, hearing from my peers and how they're executing on it, that's, to me, the most important thing. I just sat through a guard company webinar on how to construct an RFP just to see what they would say. So, yeah, it's one more data point. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, and the final thing is, uh, at the end of the day, if this is a community, then just like you've done with your employees on the new perimeter, I'm turning this back to the community and saying, who should be invited to the table in a great conversation? Who comes to mind as a leader anywhere in the ecosystem? And it could be multiple people that immediately come to mind that I should interview in a great conversation next. You put me on the spot because I could list about 20 or 30 people. Well, you'd list some we probably already interviewed too, because you and I know the same circle. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple people out there that I think um, just bring a lot to the table. So um, Kelly Johnstone, corporation. I think uh, Kelly brings uh, such a, uh, you know, a direct and poignant perspective to, uh, to anything that she tackles. Uh, Ron Iden from the Walt Disney Company. I think Ron does um, a fantastic job and has a huge statement of work, has been in the industry for a long time. Uh, you've got people out there like Chris Rakow from Google. Um, those guys uh, in that tech industry have so many challenges on their plate. As we look at the, you know, the Googles and the Amazons and, and these companies right now that are providing either data or services that are so important. Mike Kava from Amazon. Uh, any of those folks, you can't go wrong with getting uh, a really, I think, great perspective and not only what's going on at their company, but more importantly, um, just what's going on within the industry. Well, Dave, uh, it's great to see you healthy. Uh, it's great to see how much you've gained uh, from a personal experience, both heartfelt and knowledge through this pandemic. Uh, as always, a heartfelt thanks to you for raising the bar in the industry uh, for leadership and change. And thank you for a great conversation.